Hey everyone, welcome to Martaloop Church. And yes, after three weeks of talking about our church vision, we're going to move on to our uh, regularly scheduled programming. But if you missed one of those sermons on vision, uh, the first one on the nature of change and how change has always happened in the church, and the second one, uh, which talks about the particularities of our vision and what we're dreaming about and hoping for going forward, um, you can go to our YouTube, YouTube channel, uh, subscribe there if you don't, and then uh, you'll be able to watch those and see where we're going. Okay, today we're going to talk about character and what character looks like and how, um, because we're going to do it our Martaloop way, right? How our good character traits, when we express them and live them out, can be a means through which we can engage the presence of God, which only makes sense. If we are all made in the image of God and the character traits, the good traits that you possess are a gift from God to reflect God's image, and if these gifts are God's way of equipping you to be more Christ-like, the calling of our faith in this world, then actually living out uh, of good character traits uh, could and should be a spiritually thin place, a place where God is near. Um, and presence, and, and, and knowable, a more heaven-on-earth reflecting kind of place, uh, a kingdom-come kind of place, a foretaste of an eternal future where we will fully know God with every fiber of our beings and all of our character. Know God through every good character trait that he's built into us. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossian church, he pens this call to character. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, <clears throat> content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, and whatever, the very character of your life, be done in the name word name means in sync with the character of, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God, the Father, every step of the way. So wear love. What a beautiful two-sentence expression of the calling of our Christian faith. 
Um, this week, I gave a talk at a conference, and one of the fellow speakers was uh, Professor uh, Gideon Strauss, who works at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto, and he spoke about how uh, so much in our lives is formed or begins with an experience of love for so many of us. In the womb, we were loved. At birth, we were loved. When our mom or dad first held us, we were loved. And each of those loves and all of those loves are a pointer to our Heavenly Father's love. And he went on to present that out of these loves, we make our lives and have our way and being in the world. And so to be a human being is to know that you are the beloved and out of love, I believe, uh, foundationally, comes good character. But before we get into that some more, please join me in a prayer. Lord, you are love, the embodiment of an eternal cosmic love that hospitably spoke a universe into being so that we'd have a place and everything would have a place to be and to live and to be loved. And as one person on this one little planet that you made um, in love for us, um, as that one person now, as we engage this message briefly touching on the nature of character and how it can be a means of knowing you, we pray that as we hear the words, we would hear through your Spirit's presence um, words of love and uh, a calling uh, born out of love and um, ways of being that exemplify what a life of love could look like, um, ways that might challenge us, uh, but ways that might also call us, uh, that you'd use as a means to call us to yourself and call us to yourself and then call us or send us again out into our world. So move in that way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Researching the topic of character over the past month, reading Ann Snyder's book, The Fabric of Character, and uh, New York Times writer David Brooks's book, The Road to Character, and then uh, a smattering of other thinkers on the topic, I learned that character is difficult to define. Uh, it's one of those things, you know it when you see it, or you experience it in, in, in someone else, but what is it, and where does it reside? Is it intrinsic, something inside of you, or is it extrinsic, uh, measured by who, how you live and how you act in your world? Is it something you think and feel, or is it an action? And of, of course, ideally, it's both, right? Thought and action um, intimately intertwined, seamlessly intertwined together. And I'm sure if you've ever experienced good character trait moments, um, then you know the goodness of the integrity of those times when your thinking and your actions just seem to uh, seamlessly tie together and result in a good thing happening for someone else in the world. And ultimately, I guess, that is the integrated life that we're all searching for, right? But I want to argue uh, over the next few minutes that there is an even greater in-sync feeling that we can experience when we possess and live out of our good character and character traits. 
where our thoughts, in sync with our actions, fall into sync with the thoughts and actions of God. So this is going to be the focus of the message today. How can we better step into that in-sync, in-sync place? Now, before we get into that, <clears throat> a caveat, or uh, a couple of caveats, about the limits and the shadow side of good character traits and virtues. Now, you're hearing that sentence, and you're thinking, that sounds counterintuitive, and it kind of is, but it, it isn't. It's, it's important to know that good character traits and virtues can become idols, and so knowing the limits of good character traits and virtues protects us from virtue-olatry, and helps us learn how to rightly wield the good traits that God has given us. So in a talk that I heard last month, philosopher Christian Miller took, told, t spoke about how, and he, Miller is like the Templeton-funded guy who gets all kinds of millions of dollars to do research into character and virtue, and is a bit of an expert on, on all of this, and he spoke about how virtues and good character traits can sometimes be in conflict with each other, and I just, that kind of shocked me and surprised me. I hadn't thought of that. And what happens is one virtue inordinately takes over at the cost of other virtues, which can then lead to that virtue becoming a problem, and even in a spiritual context, an idol. So I always quote Mark Twain, right? Uh, he, he talked about people who are good in the worst sense of the word, and it's kind of like that. Jesus slammed the Pharisees for bludgeoning people with truth, skewering them, weighing them down. And the Apostle Paul was a classic example of that kind of goodness gone bad until he got knocked down by love and then realized that God's love is the kind of love that always speaks the truth in love. And so it's true, right? Um, our good character traits can be misused or used at the wrong time or used in the wrong way. So Say you're a person with keen discernment. Um, you're good at reading the room. You, you can see through people pretty quickly. Um, you often know what needs to be done. Um, what a virtuous character trait, right? Um, you're imaging a God who reads the room perfectly, every room everywhere, um, who sees all people through and through, uh, again, perfectly and completely, who always knows what needs to be done. And so then, what a great character trait through which you could experience God with you in any given room, co-discerning all of life's complex challenges and situations. And yet, if discernment is your thing, um, when you come in too hard with that discerning character trait, thinking you're the smartest person in the room, or, or you speak with that tone of voice that is just dripping with impatience or pride or sarcasm, or you only choose to discern what you selfishly need to discern because of the utility of what you want done and forget to more deeply discern into the deeper problem or need or brokenness of that other person, when you forget to discern in love, then what good is your good discerning character trait? And so, there is a certain way and a certain timing with which our good character traits fall into sync with God's. 
So knowing this, we need to not only be reading the room, but also be reading or discerning how God might be reading and seeing the room. Our discernment, that good character trait, needs to be wielded in two directions, towards those God has us in relationship with and toward God, simultaneously, ideally. And that's what we're trying to get at. How do you get into that simultaneous place? Because I believe that this duly-oriented, duly-aware place is where we can know God more. And this is true not just for the good character trait of discernment or wisdom, but it's true for whatever good character trait or traits God has given you. Seek God's ways and God's timing, and chances are you'll find God there. And what do God's ways look like in a person of character? Uh, New York Times writer David Brooks offers a beautiful compliment to the words of the Apostle Paul that I read earlier. He describes a person of character this way. They radiate a sort of moral joy. They answer softly when challenged harshly. They are silent when unfairly abused. They are dignified when others try to humiliate them, restrained when others try to provoke them. But they get things done. They perform acts of sacrificial service with the same modest, everyday spirit they would display if they were just getting the groceries. They are not thinking about what impressive work they are doing. They are not thinking about themselves at all. They just seem delighted by the flawed people around them. They just recognize what needs doing, and they do it. They make you feel funnier and smarter when you speak with them. They move through different social classes, not even aware, it seems, that they are doing so. After you've known them for a while, it occurs to you that you've never heard them boast. You've never seen them self-righteous or doggedly certain. They aren't dropping hints of their own distinctiveness and accomplishments. Now, when I first read that paragraph, I was both delighted and horrified. I've met people like this, uh, and they have left an indelible mark on my life. And I am not, as much as I sometimes fool myself or wish I was, um, this kind of person uh, in many instances in my life. Um, to be honest, I sometimes think if I were to write the opposite of that paragraph, I'd probably find more truthful resonance. And yet, I want to be that kind of person more than anything, Lord. And, and I'm thinking, we all do, right? Who, who, who wouldn't want to be a person that impacts and shapes their world in those kinds of ways. And yet, to, to get there, it seems, it, one needs to possess um, an otherworldly and extraordinary kind of humility, a Christ-like humility, exuding moral joy 
silent when unfairly abused, dignified in the face of humiliation, not thinking about himself all that much, bringing out the best in others, never boasting or self-righteous. And so how do you grow that kind of humility? And my first thought in response to that question is, I don't know. Um, and I'm pretty sure that you can't grow it yourself. Um, there, there is no book to read or no exercise to undertake. In my experience, humility is forged out of out-of-control, challenging, and often very difficult and broken circumstances. Circumstances that when you're in them and you're coming out of them, you, you, in, when you're in the middle of them, you, you come to the edge of yourself, uh, maybe in the middle of a pandemic or through a time of terrible stress or in a moment of deep anxiety, and somehow, out of the kiln of that brokenness, a healthier, more authentically small you is born. And you realize that it's not all about you. You realize again it's not all about you. And you see that the ruse of <laughs> how you think your inordinate control is making everything happen for what it is. And in that humbled place, you begin to own the fact that you can't do really a whole lot of any good on your own. And you certainly can't change yourself. And so then you finally start to listen to what others are saying to you. And you see the dignity and the value in them as human beings with new eyes. And, and you see your need for them in community. And, and you see their need for you, what you can give to them, from a totally new, humbled, looking up to them kind of perspective. You see others like Jesus does. And in that more humble place, you can know God like Jesus does. And so now I wonder if there is a character-growing way to receive the giftedness of humility-imbuing circumstances, even though they're difficult. Can we use them or, 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 or work our, or be open in the midst of them in a way that enables uh, our character to have the best opportunity to grow, to take the humbling results of what we could not control. Maybe this pandemic would be a great exercise as we're slowly, hopefully, Lord willing, coming out of it, and, and to let what happened grow something new in you. I mean, the Apostle Paul once wrote these highly confounding words to the church in Rome. He wrote, We also glory in our sufferings, glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope in the face of a relentless pandemic. This week in the news, Alberta is the jurisdiction in North America that has the highest incident rate of COVID? Really? We're, we're that? Hope that we can still become more whole people in the face of all of the frailties that I'm sure 
if you're honest with yourself, if I am, that we face in ourselves. Hope that we can one day become more fully ourselves and more loving like Christ. A couple of months ago, I asked a friend how the pandemic was impacting their character, and I emailed this question. What's the most significant character trait that dealing with this pandemic over this past year has grown in you? And then I quote another quote from David Brooks. Um, the road to character often involves moments of moral crisis, confrontation, and recovery. When people who have grown in character were in a crucible moment, they suddenly had a greater ability to see their own nature. The everyday self-deceptions and illusions of self-mastery were shattered. They had to humble themselves in self-awareness if they had any hope, hope again, of rising up transformed. And so my friend responded by telling me how the pandemic had exposed the crutch of busyness in their life. Pre-pandemic, busyness was the excuse for not being relationally awake and available to God, to others, and personally. But during the pandemic, uh, for this person, all of the busyness disappeared. No more travel, no more Toronto traffic, no more kids' activities every night, no more church activities all the time. And there was time again. And also a realization. Busyness was my rationale for my early evening exhaustion, the basis for the mental and physical tension that warranted that late evening drink, and also the reason why I just didn't invest more into personal relationship, my devotions and prayer or exercise. And when the busyness excuse was taken away, it seems reality was seen for what it really was. In the quiet of my bedroom office, where I've been fixed for hundreds of days, I'm more attuned to the moods I experience, worry, happiness, despair, joy, anticipation. That's a good thing. I realize that feelings of pressure, tension, frustration are not attributable to a lack of time. And also, I've had to admit that the inertia that keeps me from better addressing the unkept and weedy areas of my life remains, even while the well-worn go-to excuses are largely removed. Can you see the character growth happening? Right there in those words, right before our eyes. My friend was becoming a more whole person, a person of greater character, more self-aware, more relationally attuned, more honest about the crutch of busyness, more real, more vulnerable, and more present, arguably more present personally to others and to God. And I'd say that the character trait being exhibited through all of these words is authentic self-awareness, a, a willingness to own your own delusions, honestly name how you live in denial and with self-deception. 
And if I think about that trait, well, surely that is a trait that we can all grow in and need to all grow in if we want to become people of character, if we want to grow the character and character traits God's given us. In her book, The Fabric of Character, Anne Snyder quotes psychologist Brene Brown, Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity, all traits that beget and define what good character people are like. Vulnerability is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose, or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. And based on what my friend wrote, I would say they are now on a, on a new path. Uh, one, I suppose, that could be quickly uh, forgotten and walked off of when things go back to normal or a path that one could choose to continue journeying on. Choose to, in this more honest place, walk with God. Choose to enter into a deeper intimacy with God and grow relational awareness toward God and then toward others and then toward God and then toward others. And, and grow a sense of attention and wisdom maybe you never had before. So again, thinking about where we're at in this pandemic, I'm thinking this is a choice that we're all facing. Because I'm thinking we've all learned something of the truth about ourselves, for good or ill. And now we can choose to, to own it, really own it, and then begin the journey into rising above it. Or we can go what you just keep hearing people say in social media and on the news, I just want to go back to normal. But who, who wants to go back to normal if normal was, was hidden by busyness and filled with denial and disillusion about who we were and who others were and who God is or isn't in terms of God's presence in our life? So God has grown your character over this past year. Can, can you name, like the question I asked this friend, can you name how this has happened, what that one trait that he's grown in you is? And, and do you want to grow that trait more? <laughs> do you want Christ in you? to become you more? Do you want to be the kind of person who exudes moral joy and is dignified in the face of humiliation, doesn't think about themselves that much or, 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 or boast or is self-righteous, who always or so often brings out the best in others? I mean, do you want to, as a person of faith, as someone tracking with his church, do you want to love like Christ or not? If you do, then let what this pandemic has exposed in you, where the light of Christ has shone on something in you, 
finish its work. Let that selfish, impatient, broken, whatever part of you die. Let it fall away. And then make room for God's new in you. For Christ's new in you. The hope of glory. Please join me in a prayer. Lord, I'm thinking there are some of us hearing that invitation who somewhere deep inside of them are going, yes. Yes, Lord, I want to move past that. It's been there my whole life, that way of being. It's taken away from the good things you've woven into me and the traits that you've spoken into my being. And I don't want to hide uh, behind it anymore. I don't want to use it as a crutch anymore. I want the new life you have for me uh, evermore, Lord. And so we pray, I pray, we pray that by your Spirit, you would do the work of freeing us from these ills and these dark and broken things, these things that are not operating traits in us the way they ought to, and that you would be about the work of making them new and breathing new life into them, giving our eyes new sight, our ears new capacities to hear, our hearts ever greater uh, ability to to uh, hold and then uh, out uh, from us um, speak love and be love in your world. So do, Jesus, what we can't do, we pray. In your name we